Vesmir Sky Highness Il mondo Tata Lima Potato You're listening to The World at Your Fingertips Ma Ma La 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 What is it? One, two, three, four, five Five, four, three, two, one One, five, four, five, three, five, two, five, one Five, four, five, three, two, one Oh, that's not the one I know. It's the and it goes. It just goes on. Oh, intriguing. Speaking like of theatre warm ups, <laughs> welcome oh. back. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, guys. Oh. We're getting creative, right? We're trying. <laughs> yeah. We'll just give you some background. It's as if you're in the theatre right now, just hearing us warm up. I'm quite proud I actually knew a theatre woman, to be honest. You are a theatre gal in the team. Thespian. Well, I mean... <laughs> Thespian. I, pamphlet. I, the Reynolds pamphlet. <laughs> That's great. So neat. I love Jonathan yeah. Groff. Yeah. I mean, I actually think you're more of a thespian than you think, because, well, the intense obsession with Hamilton does you well. Yeah, but I feel like that's my only one. I feel like that's singular in my obsession, but I do know literally every single word to every single song. Yeah, it is impressive. When you do it, I am like, whoa, okay, you invested in I have very few skills, but that is one of them. (laughs) (laughs) I have nothing going for me apart from I can rap. And I always do it in a really American accent. And people just look at me like, (laughs) get it together, maybe? Is that on your CV? It should be. You should should wipe it all off and be like, Renard's pamphlet. (laughs) Yeah, just literally Kate Briggs Price and then the Renard's pamphlet. (laughs) nothing else they'll know they'll know what it means (laughs) so if you guys haven't gathered haven't haven't right i had a drink at lunch i apologize (laughs) if you guys haven't gathered we're talking about theater this week but actually not in a very joyous way because this week we are covering the fact that theater has been hugely impacted by the one and only covid19 rona we are looking at how the theatre industry in the UK has been impacted by COVID-19, which is well, it's a big talking point for many creatives in the UK at the moment, because it's one of the industries that's kind of fallen through the cracks, especially when it comes to furlough schemes and basically help from the government. And a lot of quite scary information is coming out about how the West End may never recover, which is obviously a big part of tourism in London and... Yeah, it's pretty sad. I don't know how you feel about it, Kate. I don't really go to the theatre that much, but even so, I feel like it's very sad. But obviously, mm. like, theatre, and again, like, ballets and operatic shows and stuff, there is no prerequisite for it functioning under social distancing yeah, in terms of the actually actual performance, whereas recorded music and film, they can be adapted to rules, but theatre really can't because it was... Is the whole immersive experience that you need. And yeah. um, I can't remember which article I read it in, but if we social distance by a metre when, like, in the crowd, then that's only at 20% capacity. And what? That's, like, yeah. the baseline for even running a show, like, with zero profit. It'd be lucky for them even to cover costs with only 20% of the audience giving money. So Yeah, it's just not, it's not as financially sustainable for theatres to do that. And that will be in London and across the country. I know that there have been lots of layoffs. I know people that work in theatres, in front of house staff. And I know people that were meant to make their West End debut. No. And it's been cancelled. Yeah, honestly, That's it's so heartbreaking. Sad. The inner 15-year-old Molly who wanted to be on the stage 
is so gutted. Yeah, I back in the day, that was the dream. Be on that stage this in the West when End I was somewhere. kicking a football, and you were kicking jazz squares. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I was doing, Kate. I was kicking jazz squares, kicking uh, them straight out of the park. I was trying to think of anything that was revolved around kicking at all. <laughs> Thespians don't kick, Thespians. apart from when they kick their legs in the can can. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> should have gone can can. So close. So, yeah, it's a big topic. I think it's an important topic. And this week, our guest has just finished his MA in musical direction from Mountview. For someone who's graduating from a theatrical background in, well, with his education and with extracurriculars and different shows he's put on as well, he's now going into that world where it's so uncertain. And I always say that it's uncertain for everyone, but theatre is literally not happening at the moment apart from live performances that are like streamed online and even those I think a lot of them are reruns I mean I think Ben will have more to say about it but it is very limiting at the moment whereas other industries are sort of slowly getting back into it whether that be hospitality or even the film and tv industry they're slowly going back to work but theatre is still pretty held up by it all and there's not it doesn't seem to be much going on but before we get into it I've just realized we haven't talked about what we're drinking so Mm. Let's get that in first. So, what are you drinking? I'm drinking fresh orange juice. Nice. I know, Bobby's got me living in a life of luxury up in Northumberland, and I'm loving it. Yeah, that's nice. What about you, Molly? What are you drinking? I'm, I've gone for a humble hot chocolate, but it's like a really not very good one. As in, like, basically, I use my, my mum's got this, like, Fortnum and Mason hot chocolate granule thing where it's like bits of dark chocolate that you mix in with oh milk God, yes. and yeah you you say yes but it's basically the milk was not hot enough so it's just lumpy hot chocolate do not use your milk frother i use that yeah and the milk was oh. not hot enough yeah so it's okay i'm just i'm stirring it until it dissolves but yeah. you know so far not so you know, good bad workman always blames its tools don't i oh Oh, you know what, Kate? I had a drink at lunch, all right? <laughs> it's affecting my abilities. Yeah, I failed my degree because I had a drink at lunch, all right? <laughs> Who cares? Oh, man. Yeah, well, it's a nice Sunday night drink, and the thought's there, but it's just not quite executed how I would, would have liked. Oh, I also made awesome. one for my brother, who is probably consuming it elsewhere in the house and thinking, what is this? <laughs> how inadequate this is. How, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just thinking of your inadequacy somewhere else in the house (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) oh my god right the shots i i feel Uh, like i imagine me blowing gun fingers right now like imagine me defeated because i had a drink at lunch (laughs) (laughs) it is nice though it tastes nice it's just the texture is not there and also i just think it's a good comfort drink yeah it's a nice drink i'm going for hot chocolate right now yeah, I'm glad we've gone for the comfort drinks on a Sunday night and not alcohol. Yeah, that is so not the mood I'm on. I'm or I'm in bed. I'm laying in bed. <laughs> oh my god, I'm, I'm quite well cozy. I'm like full on wrapped up, and my laptop is on my neck. <laughs> <laughs> and that's an image for you all, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Who needs a microphone when you can just lay the laptop on your face? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's top tips for podcast making. There, laptop on neck and. Uh, Perfect. But talking about improvise, adapting and overcoming, hashtag Bear Grylls, mm. that is something I think that really saddens me, particularly about the theatre industry, is that there isn't much room to adapt to the situation because mm. the whole point is like theatre has remained 
largely unchanged as a format for hundreds and hundreds, well, thousands of years even. If you think of the typical orators in town squares, Mm, and that is something that you're going to see. It's the tradition, it's the format that you're going to see it in, and the experience, and that's just not something that's conducive with COVID-19 regulations. Oh, completely. So just to give some context, uh, the major theatres in the West End went dark, which means the show stopped on the 16th of March, literally before performances were going ahead. And on the 20th of March, the government said that theatres must close. Nothing has been said by the government for months, despite repeated calls and a petition that got over 100,000 signatures and was debated in Parliament. Basically, there was just no real push from the government to, well, so lots of people were pushing to get something done for theatres by the government, and the government didn't really respond, which... I think is really tough because it is a big industry. It's a huge industry and it's a very important industry, particularly in London, but all over the UK. There are also such communities in local areas as well. So I think it is a massive impact on so many different aspects for people. See, I feel like that is also coming a bit from the perspective of someone who did theatre. Because to Mm. me, I literally don't even know where my closest theatre is around here. I don't know anything about the theatre. The only reason I know about Southampton is because I literally worked for them. And yeah, it was lovely going, but it it just would not be at the forefront of my mind in this situation. And I bet that is the case for a lot of people who don't have a like a connection, emotional connection to the theatre, which is different if you're in London, yeah. you're, you love going to the West End or you performed on stage. But I do think the theatre is perhaps not quite as much these days, but it is a big part of public life. Like a lot of people do go to the theatre or they have gone to the theatre, maybe less so these days, but it was a big social thing to do. In fact, you know, before cinemas came around, that was what you went to see. That's what you did. That's what people, lots of people did. But it does, this sort of thing does beg the question whether is the general public's relationship to theatre in general changing? Because now we've got cinema level quality productions on our sofas Hamilton's come out as a film you've got Les Mis the film you've got all these things that are now more available in your own home also is it coming at a time where people's attitude towards theatre is changing as that has that has that affected the level of priority it's been giving in this pandemic as well I wonder yeah well I personally don't think so as a film student as well I personally don't think so in terms of I think that things like Hamilton did so well because A, it's, you know, it's iconic and it's been just such a huge hit, but it, you know, it's a theatre show. It's not a film. And that just shows from the film because the film is a recording of the stage show. And then on top of that, films like Les Mis, anyone who's seen the stage show of Les Mis says it's miles better than the film. The film's a big production, but it, it, it takes away the meaning of what that show is because it's been made into a blockbuster when the theatre the production of it is so different. There is a difference in between the two. And perhaps, yeah, someone who is coming from a more theatrical background, but even so, like, you know, not a professional theatrical background, someone who's just had an interest in theatre for a few years. But I do think that it has an entirely different meaning, as it is an entirely different medium. So the fact that it's been so impacted by corona in a way that no other industry has is really sad. And I think it's very sad for those people because it's their livelihood. And it's just been snatched away from them in a way that is kind of been brushed under the carpet. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, no, I get what you mean. But what I was 
what I was trying to say was, yeah, absolutely. Like it's completely different than seeing it on a screen. And like, I agree, but I just mean for me, because obviously coming from like more North, going to the theater or the West End meant a whole weekend stay, a big thing. And now we can't do that. And it's becoming more available on a screen. Is this also going to harm the theatre long or lengthen the theatre's recovery from this is what I'm thinking. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. I think that perhaps the accessibility at home is affecting that. But I think, you know, the, they, that accessibility is actually going back into the theatre industry. So things like live stream streamings of performances, they're doing drive-in ones as well, I think, like drive-in performances That's where cool. you sit in your car, which sounds, yeah, it sounds quite fun. So stuff like that, I hope will kind of go back into the industry as opposed to Take cut, like, from it. Yeah, like lengthening its recovery. So I think these are going to be interesting questions to direct towards our guest today. So we'll introduce him now. Hey, Ben. Hello. That was like a proper like, hey, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was like a gal pal call out. (laughs) That was very insane. To be fair, we all kind of went, hey, at the same time. I enjoyed that. Yeah. That was cute. That was Probably our, yeah, listeners ears are probably bleeding after that but <laughs> to be fair you should have heard our little intro we did some theatrical warm-ups actually yeah. ben what's your favorite oh. vocal warm-up give us one my favorite gosh my favorite warm-up i like it goes jar jj joe and you Ooh. add Jar-J-G-Joe, more Jar-J-G-Joe. syllables in, in each in each time so it's like jar jj joe then it goes jar jar jj joe then jar jar jj joe then I feel like I just had a stroke listening to you that. Gosh. That stresses me out. Yeah. There we go, Kate. You both got it. I feel vocally warm right now. Well, that's what you, Ben. I'm so glad. That's a little reference for me. Vocally warm, Kate. That can go on your LinkedIn. Thank you. Thank you. Anyway, what are you drinking, Ben? I'm having a good old gin and tonic. Oh, lovely. That is also a Sunday night drink. That is not PG. What are you you two drinking? We're wrong with the comfort drinks of a hot chocolate and a orange orange juice. juice. They've not gone down the alcohol route, and we're quite proud of ourselves, but actually, a GT would be lovely. I've got to get that vitamin C. Oh my god, I just rhymed. <laughs> I've got a, I've got an orange <laughs> slice in my G and T. Oh, oh that's there you go. Like, you got it. Yeah. It's basically orange juice, right? It's, the best it's of basically both fruit. Yeah. Mm. You're drinking fruit. You're fine. <laughs> 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 right. What a party. Oh gosh. Okay. Can I just say I am so nervous to be with you two talking about theatre. <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna like get a phrase wrong or it's I'm funny because I've already, on. I've already been like, the theatre is unique yeah. and it's great and it is, to be fair. And as soon but... as Ben got on the call, she was like, Ben, you'll never guess what Kate said. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute. I fully <laughs> was really excited to have someone else to back me up when yeah. we got onto the discussion. <laughs> like, I could already tell by like the slight change in your voice, it was like, you're going to die in a minute. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I've hired a hitman and yeah. he's coming. I think I take it. I take it back. I take it back. I love the theatre. But this is what the theatre is like. It is dog yeah. eat dog, and yeah. people would die for it. And it's a scary I'm, world. Yeah, it's, it is. A, it is a scary world, particularly at the moment. 
But before we get into the discussion, Ben, can you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do and also your involvement with the theatre? Yeah, so I'm Ben. Um, hey, Ben. <laughs> hey. Uh, so I'm, I'm an uh, alcoholic. <laughs> and I'm drinking gin on a Sunday night. No, I'm, I'm a musical director, so I've just finished a master's at Mountview, which is a drama school in London, uh, in musical direction. And then before that, I was at Southampton with you, you both, woo! doing, uh, woo! doing uh, engineering <laughs> randomly. Um, and like, yeah, in Southampton, I did a lot of shows, some of them you came to see. And like yeah. through that, I got a real love for theatre and um, working with like <laughs> Nuffield Rip in Southampton. Oh, uh, we talk about that so, as well. Yeah, double yeah. Rip. But then, yeah, just since then, I decided I wanted to actually do it properly instead of doing engineering. So yeah, just finished my master's. So did your love for it grow at uni or did you have a passion for it beforehand? I had a little bit before and I remember um, my parents like made a deal with me that if I go and do a, a degree, then I could pursue theatre. But back then it was a bit like, oh, I'm not sure if I want to. But then like through uni, I was like, it exploded. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Just burst out of me in a yeah, song and a dance. How many shows at uni did you musically direct? Oh, gosh. Uh... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight, wow. nine, ten, ten. Oh my god! That's insane. I thought you were going to end at uh, like six, ten. Whoa. But like, yeah, so some were assistants, some were co with other people. Um, right. wow. But yeah, that was. Do you have a favourite? I'll give you two. My last show I did, Spring Awakening. I totally knew you were going to say Spring Awakening. <laughs> so, yeah. Place in my heart, that one. Uh, that was yeah. very, very nice final show to do. And then the Trail to Oregon, which I did at the end of second year, and we took up to the Fringe, yeah. the Edinburgh Fringe. And that was like a mad experience doing that. That did really well, didn't it, the Fringe? Yeah, yeah. We did a two-week run, pretty much sold out. And then amazing. did two previews in London as well, which was like... Oh, my God. Made my little head spin. It was in the other palace. So Heather's was next door in the main theatre and we were in the studio downstairs. And my mate James, who was in the cast, he like saw Carrie Hope Fletcher when he was walking backstage and she like waved at him and oh he like God. came running into the dressing room like, oh my gosh, you'll never guess what just happened. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we were chill. We were chill. <laughs> really professional. We blended yeah. right in. <laughs> I actually, I met Carrie Hope Fletcher after she was Eponine in Les Mis and Classic went to the stage door. Nice. When I was like 14 and naturally it was like, it might have been older than that. I don't know. I was a teenager and got a pic with her and probably the rest of the cast as well. I was so excited. It's just amazing. like, yeah, it was great. I had a great time. <laughs> and I have no anecdotes about theatre. Have you seen <laughs> a show Specifically before? Carrie Hope Fletcher. <laughs> I, um, I have seen a show. I've seen The Book of Mormon. Oh, yeah. But every show I've gone to, I've gone for free because someone else bought the tickets. Wow. So I'm usually the plus one because I'm, I'm well quite though. good. I'm good. Expensive. Yeah, I'm quite good at just being the person that goes to things because you know they'll have a good time. So it's yeah. like a, a safe <laughs> bet. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I don't think I've ever actually paid for a theatre ticket. That's oh, man. insane. Have you not seen Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, Kate? I feel like no, I haven't. Even ones I really, really want to go to, it just doesn't enter in my mind. Because I feel like, well, now I know I could take you, Molly, and you, Ben. Yeah, yeah. But usually I'm like, who would I go with on my own? No thanks. Well, sad times, really, because mm. we're here and this is what we're talking about this week. So 
we gave a bit of context in the introduction about the state of the theatre industry now and I wondered if you wanted to expand a bit on it Ben about what the current state is now after the theatres have been closed for the last few months and what's sort of happening and whether you know much about what's going to happen in the future. Yeah so we went dark on yeah March 16th is when all the theatres closed and then since then there's been very little about what's actually going to happen stuff's come in dribs and drabs so now outdoor theater can happen so places like regent's park open air theater in london uh there's a festival set up called the new normal festival places down in cornwall i think it's the mckinnick theater bright and open air theater stuff like that has started programming stuff very slowly so there's some stuff going on and then on the first of august indoor theaters were told they could open along with music venues but then the night before the government announced Oh, no, we're not doing that. And I think that really annoyed a lot of people that without much notice, you're just told not happening. Places like Ronnie Scott's, I know, were meant to open that day on the 1st of August and they just couldn't anymore because it was it would be illegal. But then on Thursday night, just gone, at like 10.45pm, the government announced indoor performances could go ahead with social distancing. And obviously everyone in the theatre community was like, great, but also that gives us a day and a half to potentially rehearse something for Saturday, which is impossible. And that sort of brought up the question again. It feels like people in government don't actually understand how arts events work. They're not always ready to go, you know, at the like click of a finger. They need rehearsal. Most shows rehearse for like five, six weeks before opening in a big house. So even though stuff indoors can happen, I think it will still be another month until it actually comes to fruition. Some stuff has been programmed, like Southwark Playhouse are reopening their production of the last five years that was one of the last to, like, play in London. So, yeah, that's sort of where it's at with that. And then financially, the government announced this £1.57 billion package. Once again, at the dead of night, very confusing why they did it at, like, 11pm. Oh yeah, I remember that. It was like it was really late, and it was after the petition. Yeah, yeah. So there was a a petition that got over a hundred thousand signatures. So then it was debated in Parliament, and still not very much happened. Then on I think it was the fifth of July, Sam Mendes, who's a film and theatre director, announced the Theatre Artists Fund. Netflix gave a donation of five hundred thousand pounds. Whilst not much, it was more than the government had given. But then that evening they announced this package, but. Personally, I haven't heard of any of the money from this package actually going anywhere yet. And I know that some of it is loans, so not grants, so they'll have to be repaid back, but they're not coming until December. So there's some stuff in place, but it seems to just be there and not doing very much at the moment. Yeah, there's a massive lack of communication, I feel, between the government and the theatre industry. I remember at the beginning of lockdown as well, well, before, actually, sorry, before lockdown, just before lockdown, They said, I can't remember exactly how it was worded, Ben, you'll probably remember better than I do, but didn't they say something along the lines of, we advise people not to go to the theatre, but the government wasn't announcing that the theatre would close? Yeah, it was was really weird. So, because I remember it, it was my last day in Mountview as well, was that Monday. I remember I got on the train home and I got a text from my mate who's an usher in the West End being like, oh, they've shut the show. So this wasn't like pre-planned on that Monday the theatres decided themselves at like 6, 6.30 p.m., bearing in mind the show starts at 7.30, to shut. And then it took a few days until the government were like, maybe you shouldn't go to the theatre. And then a bit longer, they were like, 
we need to close the theatres. But by then, literally all the theatres had chosen to close themselves. It didn't really make much sense, you know. And and I think that's the thing across the board with the, the like the government guidelines is a lot of them haven't have like contradicted each other or not made much sense. And it's stuff like that where you see something and it, it you know it doesn't make much sense, especially when it comes to theatre. Like I saw something earlier about there's a snooker like the snooker final. I saw a picture on Twitter and then like went around searching for it to make sure it wasn't some guy just getting angry um but it was the yeah the snooker final and social distance audience but they weren't they weren't wearing masks and it was indoors and i went on and looked at the government guideline for indoor music and arts performances and the guideline is you have to wear a face covering and the kicker is this snooker tournament was inside a theater like obviously it's not set out how a theater normally would be but you could see the theater seating in the background of the shot yeah so it just doesn't make sense why a sporting event in a theater you don't have to wear a face mask but normal theater can't go ahead without a face mask and obviously i'm not saying anything against face masks i'd happily wear one to go to the theater i mean i have so yeah yeah, it's that type of disparity that i think a lot of people are annoyed about hey can you just sorry also can you hear my laptop overheating a little bit that's why i didn't okay, speak yeah. a minute ago because i muted myself because my laptop was like, <laughs> like guys, just chill ben can you just give me like a rundown to like roughly how many people go into a theater show because i don't actually know i'm thinking in terms of like livelihoods and people who are involved in putting on a production like how many people is that really okay if we take let's say wicked I don't know the exact numbers, but this is it's quite a big theatre. So it's the Apollo Victoria, right outside Victoria Station with the green tinsel. Molly, I'm sure you know this one. This I know it well. So there's a pit band of, gosh, wait, let me count. <laughs> one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four, five, five six, six, seven, eight, nine. I think maybe 15, 16. Something like that. So it's quite a big pit band. Yeah. So there are four keyboards on that. So there's a musical director, associate musical director, then cover conductors that are in there as well. Then you have the cast. It's quite a big ensemble. So, I don't know, 40 people, including swings, maybe. And then front of house-wise, ATG own the theatre. So there's a lot of ushers probably looking at about the same size of the cast, maybe, if not more. Then you have box office staff, stage management, There'll be a handful of them. Follow spot operators, probably two or three of them. Person operating lights, person operating sound. There'll be two or three people doing sound in the wings, making sure mics don't break and stuff. And then just extra tech personnel. Someone doing all the flies, like all the set moving around. You know, there's actually so much going on. And it shows that even though I work in a theatre, I still don't know everything that goes on behind. Every show's different. Mm. And what you see on stage is literally like the tip of the iceberg to use that overused phrase but um i feel like a definite noob because i'm like yeah there's like one big singer in there and there's like (laughs) (laughs) there's like a couple of people who show you your seat and uh yeah but i think a general rule is if you look at the amount of people you see on stage times that by like double it and that will be less than the amount of people behind the stage working and like front of house doing stuff yeah. Like those buildings are just buzzing with energy and people yeah. around and doing stuff. And it is the business. Like that's why there are so many people that are working in the theatre industry. It's business and it's providing, well, instead of 
a very simply put way, it's providing the service of entertainment to mm. audiences. And in these big buildings, they need to be run by lots of people. And also those big buildings and like big theatres are not cheap to run, especially in the West End. So the fact that coronavirus has hit so badly and also when going back to the theatre, it's going to be socially distanced. Or was it UK that said 20% capacity? Yeah, it was in the Guardian article. Yeah, so 20% capacity. That's if it's mm. distance at two metres, it's 20% capacity. Right. So that's just not enough revenue to be able to continue running mm. these theatres. And I remember at some point during lockdown, I saw something quite scary about, I think it was the majority of the West End theatres, if this situation was to continue with such severity, that the majority of West End theatres would be shut by 2021. But I think that that situation has now changed and there's slightly more optimistic. Correct me if I'm wrong, Ben. Yeah, I think so. And and you're right in saying that, though. It's going back to that loan thing that they said in December. A lot of theatres are like, we need imminent help now. We can't wait till December. That's still yeah. a while away. And if you think about when they closed, they've spent already the majority of this year closed compared to open. But going on like the whole 20% capacity thing, the, the old Vic said they make two-thirds of their revenue from ticket sales so that's two-thirds one-third is from donations but if you mm. think about they're operating at 20 percent, that's 20 percent of two-thirds of their revenue that's just not enough to sustain yeah. on and, and i think that's the thing is theater is very it's not like there's this huge labyrinth of money that's sitting under the ground that a theatre producer can be like, oh, just take a bit of that, we'll put something on. It's constantly like, oh, we have this tiny amount of money, we need to invest it as best we can. And the Mm. issue now is all this investment has gone in and they're just not recouping it. Yeah, on that note as well, so I'm reading an article, it's from the Evening Standard, and it's an article written by Cameron McIntosh saying London and New York can't function without theatres. So, Kate, do you know who Cameron McIntosh is? No. So he is basically a really big theatre producer and he has he owns lots of theatres yeah and he has got his fingers in lots of pies he's a very successful man does so as the producer does he commission the shows then so he he personally has like a big role so hamilton hamilton's in one of his theatres yeah but Um, that's what i mean does he like well yeah so he choose what goes in where yes and he probably bidded for hamilton and you don't know what goes on behind the doors, yeah. but for him to get a show like that, remember they did the huge refurb of their theatre before. So mm, that was probably, yeah. you know, speculation, that but that was probably in the thing being like, okay, well, we're doing a huge refurb, come to us. I got tickets to the previews of Hamilton and it oh. got postponed and I lost my tickets because of the re- the refurb run over. No way. Yeah, sometimes. To be fair, my like, ex-boyfriend's mum got us tickets to Hamilton and I broke up with him a week before he couldn't go. <laughs> oh, and it's literally, I'm still so sad about it. I'm not we'll go when it's back. We'll go. Yeah, absolutely. I want to go. We definitely will. But yeah, if you think of Cameron McIntosh as a production Big cheese company, gang. it's like film terms. He's like one of the biggest producers. Like so a wine like, scene without the sexual harassment allegations. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> that's not, not quite the comparison I was going for. He's but, a big um, producer though, isn't he? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure he would enjoy that. Yeah. I said no, my, sure I said minus the, the criminal charges. Okay, better comparison. So, you know, David Heyman, massive film producer, Heyday Films, you know, he produced all of the Harry Potter films, Kate. Okay. 
So Cameron McIntosh is on that level yeah. in theatre terms. So he's, bas- so he's basically a massive theatre producer. He's written this article, and in said article it says, Over the last 400 years, the theatre has proved indomitable and only once has been closed for just over a year, and that was during the Great Plague in 1665. Hitler only managed to close the theatre for a few weeks before Churchill ordered them to reopen and help keep the spirits of the British people flying high through a terrible war. The show did go on, and so did the British people. As a staunch conservative, I've always admired Boris's Churchillian spirit. I wasn't sure where this is going, but here we go. Um, <laughs> as, as a staunch conservative, I've always admired Boris's Churchillian spirit. So it would be a tragedy of Shakespearean proportions if history was to mark him down as the Prime Minister who presided over the closing down one of Britain's greatest cultural and economic treasures for longer than the back of death. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> basically, he's essentially saying the theatres, yeah, the theatres can't close for this long and get it together, Boris. Yeah, is yeah. basically I, I what he's saying. I think he's also saying that theatre's not about the building, right? That you're in. It's about people putting on something. It can be to yourself in your bedroom or like a kid on Christmas Day reenacting, I don't know, some Christmas thing. And, and that's theatre. Like, <laughs> the Muppets Christmas Carol. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. And, but not the film. And, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but it's that thing of like theatre is, is a concept, I'd say, as opposed to a place, right? You go to a building to watch theatre. And I think that's what a lot of people have been alluding to over this time is like it's been going on like since the ancient Greeks. And like since then, we haven't lost it. And so much stuff has happened in the world that even though we're going through this really tough time and though it might look really bad, like it will prevail eventually. We don't know what form that will be in. And it's slowly looking like actually we might be going back to hopefully this, like what we were used to about these big houses. But more stuff is popping up, like this new normal festival I mentioned. They, they're they literally in a courtyard in a grand house in Clapham. The performances are literally on a quarter of the courtyard on the grass. And that's still theatre. What about like... Because obviously we all know the Nuffield Theatre is like a... Is it like the best regional theatre in the country? Or it used to be, like, when I first joined Ooh. uni. I didn't know that. That's cool, though, if it is. That's what, like, it was. Oh, that's what they sold me as when I started my English literature uh, okay. degree. But it could all be bullshit. Oh, right, here we go. Sorry, can I just oh, say, yeah. I'm, I'm just scrolling through a backstage article... And it's titled, Acting After COVID-19 Lockdown, What Do We Know? And mm. it says, so what we don't know, there's been quite a bit of well-informed chat about the theatre sector shrinking in the post-coronavirus world, and it's hard to ignore. If social distancing remains in place, then venues will have to sell less tickets, which will mean less revenue, unless they hike up prices significantly. The Royal Lyceum in Edinburgh has announced all jobs are at risk of redundancy, and the Nuffield in Southampton has already gone into administration as a result of the virus. Well, I do want to put a caveat on that, and actually, the Nuffield thing might not be a COVID thing. Yeah, we were speculating about this earlier. Although obviously we've think? both worked there, Ben. So I was a bit nervous to yeah. be like, yeah, and like share it on social media <laughs> in case it was all a lie and I uh, of course, they hated yeah. me. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I don't know what happened. But the more that comes out about it, I'm not convinced that it was COVID. But I think if they were doing badly, going into administration is a good way to find a new buyer and then yeah. someone else will take up that space. And I think someone will because it's such a new space. That's um, down in the city yeah it is and obviously because the uni are going to be refurbishing 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 <laughs> the campus theater yeah so yeah i think we'll see what happens there i don't think it's the end of 
that second theatre in Southampton. I swear it's already it's already been in trouble loads of times, whether it's been COVID yeah, or not. I think it? so. I think that's why all of that stuff surrounding it is a bit weird. Yeah. I don't really know yeah. what's going on there. But but you're right, and it's true that theatres struggle. And I think they always have. But that just um, goes to show that ones. Yeah, like the the stuff that our uni's been doing. Not our old uni. <laughs> Uh, Jack. <laughs> but the stuff that Southampton's been doing in terms of the art pass when you got four theatre tickets for £20 mm. and stuff like that like that literally made me go to the I lie I've been to the Nuffield Theatre just not the West End um, on the Guardian article now it says yeah 2015 it was named Regional Theatre of the Year by the Stage oh. newspaper yeah because that's when I went to uni oh, of course yeah yeah, yeah. lol throwback oh. <laughs> why am I so old <laughs> 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 Well, I didn't realise as well that its recent commissions included a play about the pub, The Hobbits, that caused the legal battle with yeah, the Hollywood yeah, Film Company. It did. It's really interesting as well because it also played an important role in Southampton's bid to become the UK city of culture in 2025. Yeah, right. yeah. So, you know, that's how important this institution was and it's it's such a shame that it has gone into administration and if it is because of the virus obviously speculation but if it is because of the virus then that is really sad it is a shame yeah yeah when you're talking about theater like for you does that just mean musicals or is that like plays oh no everything plays plays, yeah for sure plays yeah i love going to see plays i just don't see well there we go so musical musical theater is musicals yeah Mm. But I just think when I talk to you guys, it's like theatre rather than theatre. No, I I love plays. I love going to see a good play. I went to go see Raisin in in the Sun. Oh, went to go see that on my own and I brought a flask of tea so I didn't have to leave in the interval. (laughs) 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 So I was embarrassed that I was on my own. And I went to go see it. It was amazing. I just think that the the standard of the theatre as well, the last thing I saw in the West End was Come From Away. And oh my gosh. The reason why I think the theatre is so great is because while it does have its traditional shows that are long running like Les Miserables and Phantom of the Opera and The Lion King it has you know new shows coming through things like Come From Away which are they have a different structure which I think is really interesting you know the fact that it didn't have an interval and it was shorter so Mm. people who perhaps don't want to you know sit through the long slog of Les Miserables they can go to other shorter musicals like Come From Away which is uh, is it 100 minutes? it's yeah about that i think it's 100 minutes yeah and so i just think that there is there's such potential in the theater industry and i know obviously this is again on such personal level for me and you know i know everyone's gonna have different opinions on it but i do think it's such a shame it's been hit so badly and like you say ben and like um, cameron mcintosh said in his article that it's been closed for the first time properly in 400 years it's just, yeah, it's just a, it's a big shame and it's very sad yeah. for all the people that work within it. And I think when we're coming back, it's stuff like all these new shows is there's going to be a lot less experimentation, I think, for the first yeah. at least year because people are just going to be wanting wanting to make money, which makes sense. You put on what you know. That's why another production of the last five years is going on because it will sell. I'm not saying it's a bad show. I love it. But there's, I feel like there's going to be less money for innovation and new things coming to the theatre and I think especially in the UK we were just getting to a point where new musical theatre that was homegrown was starting to be recognised more and personally I'm worried that that's gonna take a back foot when we can get back to it yeah Yeah. what do you think it's gonna mean for like 
So obviously we've discussed the professional theatre industry, but what do you think for like, I don't know what you call them, amateur, independent yeah, like community companies? Theater. Yeah, community theatre, but I mean like people who are like, you know, like independent films, they are still professional films, but they're not oh, so mainstream like Independent theatre companies, like what's the one, there's one called, I think it's Frantic Assembly. Yeah, that's one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Companies like that, do you mean, Kate? Smaller, yeah, independent just, companies. Or even like, yeah, like community theatre, the different levels of theatre, like will community theatres be even harder hit than professional theatres, do you think? I'm not sure because community theatre is very, the economics of community theatre, from my experience anyway, is very small in the sense that all the money within a community theatre doesn't go outside of that. So like in professional musical theatre, you have lots of advertising and big producers and stuff. So the money is coming from all over. But when you're in community theatre, you pay a membership fee and that goes towards set, hiring musicians if you need it, the rights for a show, that type of thing. So from what I know, I feel like they'll be less hit, but also more willing to try other things. Mm. So potentially this is a time for community theatre to thrive and it's a thing people are going to turn to in terms of regional theatre. So I guess that's still professional, but not on a big level. So there's one called the Watermill Theatre in Newbury. They're this tiny, tiny theatre, but they produce some amazing work uh, one of their shows was Sweeney Todd. It was an act of muso show and it went over to the States, played on Broadway and won a Tony for its orchestrations. Oh my God, what? Oh my really? gosh. Wow. And this is a tiny theatre. Like, if you look it up, it's the Watermill Theatre and I can't comprehend how small it is, right? It's it's tiny. And they're doing stuff like outdoor performances because they've got a nice courtyard and they're sort of finding ways to pick back up. And I think it's because their economics are, are within themselves they've got producers close to them that are more willing to try out new things whereas when you're in a big house in the west end you've got a show you can't really do anything else if you know what i mean mm. this is one thing that um in a, B in a bbc interview with the old vic the presenter was like do you think you've done enough at the old vic could you go put on a show in in a car park and the artistic director was like oh that stings a bit because no we can't just pick up our show that's in this what 1000 seat auditorium and move it into a car park that's just not feasible mm, but for right. a, a small scale place like the watermill that are used to creating stuff at a small level as well and they like can making it work something yeah. yeah right making it work for themselves yeah which is definitely an advantage of a, a smaller place like that compared to yeah these big houses in the west end yeah i guess that's for so many industries though like when we're talking even like small social enterprises they were like yeah we might not have the backup of funds but we have the adaptability that larger corporations don't have i want to do theater <laughs> wow. i mean hopefully when they reopen kate you can yeah mm. i just don't have that you know, like, I always think it's a different kind of confidence to be able to do theatre. Like, I feel like I have confidence in public speaking when I'm being myself, but I don't have confidence in being another person in front of a large group of people. I think we should write a show for you, about you. That's just and me. you'd just love it, I would love to do a Lin-Manuel Miranda and write a whole show and be like, and by the way, I'm the star. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Love that. And even if, like, I... Don't sing that well. Don't care because I wrote it. Otherwise, it's not going on if I'm not the star. So, <laughs> okay. oh, well, 
on the topic of Lin-Manuel Miranda, let's mm. talk about Hamilton hitting Disney+. Plus. And I want to talk about your perspective on this. So we talk, we brushed over this in our introduction as well, talking mm. about how Hamilton has gone online. And mm. that was such a big anticipated release for so many people, including yours truly, Kate Briggs-Price. Um, <laughs> yeah. But obviously it's, I said in the introduction, that I think that with things like that, the money is hopefully going back into the industry. I wanted to ask your opinion on that because I actually I don't know for sure what do you know about it and what do you think about it as well I'd have the same speculation that some of the money is going back into the industry because they'll be going back to the producers and actually the producers funded that recording themselves like out of their pocket they funded that film that's what I read anyway so because of that they're probably recouping the cost of that recording from it going on Disney plus and then, because they're theatre producers, they can then go and put that money elsewhere. So the producers that produced Hamilton produced In the Heights, uh, yeah, Miranda's yeah. first one, but they also produced Rent back Did in they? back at the end of the nineties. Yeah, what one of the producers or two of them produced Rent, and you think the money they made from that meant they produced In the Heights? The money they made from that meant they could produce Hamilton. Now they've got the money from Hamilton plus this this video production of Hamilton. But I I watched it and I loved it. But because obviously it was in lockdown and I was sat there like the thing I'm feeling right now watching this, if I times that by 10, that's what I felt in the theatre. Yeah, I can yeah, agree with that. I think there's something about the energy in a theatre which you just can't recreate, even though it is a stage recording. Mm. Yeah, I just, well, I'm one of the ones who found the soundtrack and listened to it repeatedly until I knew every single word. <laughs> yeah. <But> that was <laughs> like... Well, I don't know. I just think there's something that in my head doesn't straight away go, I need to see this in a theatre. Because theatre is just outside my realm of experience, really, unless someone's invited me and I'm tagging along. For me, when it was on Disney+, Plus, I was like, ah, and I don't have to leave my home and I can actually see it? Oh God, amazing. <laughs> but that might but, just be my personality. But what did you think about when you watched it, knowing the soundtrack? I was like this whole time I've been sleeping like I haven't known what the choreography is and I've been missing that are you for real right choreographies right. are real oh yeah I, I'm like 100% sure I would adore it in the theatre mm. but in my head a theatre trip is like a whole weekend uh you know 500 pounds in London it's like a big thing yeah right because think things were there was, a, there was an app called today ticks that yeah, was thriving before and and that meant you could get these tickets that come out at 10 a.m. and they're 25 quid and you don't know what seat you're going to get until you click it and it's on the day or like lotteries where you don't find out until the afternoon when you're going to get it. And there were all these new ways coming in about how how to make theatre accessible. Like personally, I think I've paid full price for a theatre twice, maybe. I've yeah. always gone when there are deals or got rush tickets and you stuff. You live in London though. Yeah, so I'm, yeah. I can get in in half an hour. So that's my advantage as well. I do think it very much depends on, and this is something we didn't mention earlier, but I think obviously the theatre is like a treat. It's it's expensive and also it's very kind of frightening what might happen when the theatre industry gets back up and running in terms of prices because it was already quite expensive to go. Mm. And obviously whilst there are deals and yeah, today ticks is like a saviour. People again, travelling far and wide into London and also if you're travelling into London, you'll need to buy food, you need to get on the tubes you know there are all sorts of different costs that play into that and if now on top of that the ticket's even more expensive then it's enough to put people off mm. Mm. it's interesting to 
when you say like book a travel lodge, you, you think about how many people have to do that. They have to pay for trains, which is putting money into the economy. They have to book a hotel, putting more money into the economy, have to go out for dinner. That's putting money into the economy. You think about all these things that happen because you're going to the theatre. Mm. And then you realise that actually it's not just the theatre that's beneficial, it's the whole trip. And I think that's the scary thing as well. It's all those other places are losing out because people are going to the theatre, you know? Yeah. That's why national tours are good because they take these big shows that are in the West End, they'll close in the West End and then they'll go on tour and they'll go across the whole of the UK so that they do reach to those far and wide corners and people that that can't get to or can't afford to go to London often, then they can go and see them in in their local theatres there's one in Milton Keynes which I guess is probably a bad example because it is not that far outside of London but it is a theatre outside of London and it has lots of big shows going there as well as I know there are ATG theatres all over the UK even though they have theatres in London that kind of bridges the gap between the West End theatres and some of the access to the rest of the country so these theatres do get big tours and, you know, they can be accessible to other people. And it's a shame that this might not be as, you know, there'd be a different show at a theatre every week. That might not happen anymore. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's just finding different ways of making it accessible, like going on Disney+. Plus. That's the easiest way right now to make theatre accessible. But yeah. Is it is it a good thing? I, I don't know. I think as soon as people decide that watching a show on their tv or on their computer or on their phone is better than going to see it in person we've got a problem i think most people will agree with that though it's just Mm. the case of they agree with that once they're in the seat but it's the get into the seat that is the big thing in it yeah right there was these campaigns run by salt which is the society of london theaters about like experience the magic of theater and i think that's so true Mm. and it's just convincing people and reminding them that maybe people that didn't go to the theatre often, so like yourself, Kate, that actually going and plonking yourself in a theatre seat is, is going to be a great night. Mm. Um, and like, yeah, when you go see a theatre show, for me, you, I just forget about everything outside of the theatre when I'm there. Like whatever's going on in your life or even in the world, you can just go sit there and just be surrounded by people having a one unique experience. Because every night's different in a theatre, it's live. And you'll never experience that night again in the same way. And I think there's just something, you know, poetic about that. And that's what live theatre is. And that's something you can't get from a screen recording because that's that's the version of Hamilton, right? That's there. But the next night of that show would have been different. Something might have gone wrong. And it's stuff like that that I think people live for when they go to see live theatre is you never know what's going to happen. I completely understand the comparison as well between the cinema and the theatre. But I think what the saving grace for cinema is that there are streaming services that exist now. And mm. you could, you, I mean, while maybe not completely recreate the cinema experience, you can watch what you could see in the cinema at home. But that is not something that I think can be recreated in the world of theatre. As much as you can watch live streams of performances or... I think that is the kind of fundamental difference and that's why I think the situation with theatre during this time is more concerning, I would say, in terms of its future. Yeah, I guess it, if you miss that initial hook of I love I love going to the theatre and so it's worth it, but if you've never gone into theatre to your life, that's why I think it's important, like, 
when you're young to go to the pantomime and stuff and with school and stuff. But a lot of people I know have never been to the theatre in their life and never probably will go. But in terms of getting repeated customers or like a wider audience that is needed to like compensate economically for right, okay, like yeah. higher theatre prices, you need like a large audience and you need a varied audience because there's only so many times people can go to a theatre for their own, like the individual can. So it can't be supported by a small group of individuals. It needs mm. like the occasional person coming down to London for a show. But if less and less people, because of streaming services, are going to the theatre for that first time and not and not getting that initial appreciation for it, I'm wondering in the future, will kids slowly lose that? Like new generations coming, I mean, because it's way more digital in every aspect of life. So I don't know. I'm just wondering... I, I think so, yeah. Will an I, audience I, be lost? Yeah, mm. it's hard to say, I think. I think it's a really difficult thing to to know the answer to. I don't know if that's me just being like, no, I don't want it to, yeah. or whether, like, actually I can see the reality. I don't know if you feel that way, Ben. A little bit, yeah. And and, and I see the reality of streaming services taking over. But yeah. I know what you mean, because there's an internal battle for me, which is like me, my little stubborn self being like, well, no, it's not as good. But I can't, <laughs> no, I tell, agree. A, like I can't tell a six-year-old that and be yeah. like, no, you're wrong. I also uh, think, like, I live, <laughs> in terms, like you said, like, you both live quite close to London. And that's, like, the epicentre of theatre in the UK. Mm. But, like, if I think, what, like, the Palace Theatre in Newark's got shut down, or the region, the closest ones are Nottingham, which is 40 minutes away. I, I think that's the thing about protecting regional theatres. Yeah, definitely. the Leicester Curve is one of the great producing houses of, like, north of London. Mm. And they were doing great stuff. Same with Manchester, the Royal Exchange, but they've had to let people yeah. go. Um, the Crucible in Sheffield. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on up there. And it's just about making it more, not even accessible, but more... Visible. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, more visible to people up there so that you're like, oh, I could go to a theatre that's 20 minutes away and putting on great stuff. It may not be a West End production, but that doesn't mean it's of West End standard, right? Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, and so was... you're no longer thinking theatre London. You're thinking theatre, you're local, right? You know what I mean? It's more Yeah, accessible. but I think that's kind of the crux of it as well, is it should, for it to even recover from everything that's happened, it needs to be just theatre as opposed to theatre London to try and see a future for the theatre industry post-coronavirus. Mm. And of course, a lot of what we've talked about is in the context of the West End, because like you said, Kate, it is the centre of mm. the theatre in the UK. But... Yeah, you're right, Ben. I think there needs to be an effort in preserving these regional theatres for it to survive and for it to come back from what's happened. Yeah, and and sadly, one of the ways to preserve them is, is money. And, yeah. And it's that thing of there's just not enough being promised by the government, I think, yet. Which is obviously for me to say because I'm in the industry and I'm just like throwing all my toys out the pram. <laughs> but... But like when you look at the statistics of their package was what one point five seven billion for the whole of the culture sector, so not just theatre, including music, museums, galleries, all that stuff. But then thirty two billion is being put in in twenty nineteen by the whole culture sector. The, yeah. the disparity in in the amount of help there, and in every tweet, the government are like, "Ah, oh, this is one step on our like world leading one point five seven billion package." But it's I don't know. I I, I still don't think it's enough. I think when you put it in perspective, it's it's about saving these smaller theatres and loads are already in trouble and, yeah, have gone into administration or have lost staff. And I think it's 
going back to the future of streaming services and stuff, I think it's hard for us to say because we just don't know when theatre can get back, you know? There's currently no information for when theatres can open without social distancing, which is what everyone's been calling for. And even uh, they can't open before this point. A lot of places have said, if it's March, it's March, but at least we have something to work towards, right? At the moment, everyone is blind and we don't know when stuff can reopen. So I think that's where the uncertainty in our answers are. I think when we first initially thought about this topic and thought about uh, talking about this with you, I thought by this point we would know more. And mm. it's it's a shame that we don't. And I really hope that soon more information is released about what's going to happen. But I guess, you know, everything at the moment is just so uncertain. I hope that there is a way, there is some way in which, whether that even does mean that it, streaming services will become more... Um, more resonant within the theatre industry then then so be it I guess I think you know it may just be that the theatre industry goes in a different direction or it could be that that to be fair like the the Shakespeare company have been like doing cinema showings loads haven't they all around the country like for yeah they have yeah Mm. yeah national theatre as well yeah Yeah, it's right it is yeah so it is it is going that way I guess yeah you're right and Mm. But I mean, hopefully that that can continue. But having that experience in the cinema as well, I think, is a different is also another element to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, as opposed to watching it. Sure. On, it's on, like the balance screen. between accessibility and but not compromising the experience. I guess is. Yeah, absolutely. To. Yeah. And I think seeing something that you know is live. So like National Theatre Live is normally live streamed, so you know it's happening right now. It might be hundreds of miles away, but yeah. you know that's happening right now. And I think yeah. that's that's the difference because I watched a production from the old Vic that was live over lockdown and that had a totally different effect on me because I was like, oh, this is happening. Like this is happening in London right now. I don't know. I don't think there's a worry that people don't want to go to the theatre because I went to I went to a show on Friday um, and they introduced it as like theatre is back and it had been six months since I'd seen something and just the whole courtyard cheered. And it was sold out. Not many people, maybe a hundred tops, but that's a hundred people willing to make the trip, don masks, go sit outside with the fear of a thunderstorm, and mm. watch live theatre for an hour. And I think that shows how resilient this, like this industry is, and how much people want it to come back. Yeah, I think that's a nice anecdote to end on as well. I agree. I think that the industry is incredibly resilient, and the steps it's taking already, even with all this uncertainty, is is great. So, yeah, well, thank you very much, Ben. Thank you for coming on and talking to us. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been oh, great. No problem, you cuties. <laughs> thank you for converting me to theatre. I'm taking Kate Briggs Prize the Musical to the Fringe next year. Woo! Please buy tickets. Give me money. 2021. 2021. With <laughs> the year of me. me. Your theatrical <laughs> debut. Oh, gosh, yes, please. Can't wait. Anyway, thank you everyone for listening. Big thank you to Ben again and see you next week.